0: first things first we've got a small announcement before the podcast starts or not small it's kind of big the techish podcast is joining the hubspot podcast network So we're going to be alongside a bunch of other amazing podcasts like My First Million, Side Hustle Pro, and a whole bunch of other secret gems of podcasts that you're going to love to hear about. So first things first, don't worry, nothing's going to change dramatically about the Techish podcast. We're still going to be the same old podcast, except that from time to time, we're going to big up a whole bunch of dope podcasts that you may not have heard of. The first one I got to shine the light on is called Inclusion and Marketing by Sonia Thompson. It's a great must-listen podcast for any marketing professional. I tuned in and I heard so many gems within the first five minutes. I was like, damn. So the first one I heard was... The first thing you need to know about me is that I'm not you. Gem. Second one I heard is inclusion requires decentering yourself. Essentially, listen, your lived experience is not going to be everyone else's lived experience. And if you're trying to market to the general population, you definitely got to decenter yourself so that you can fully target all your potential consumers. So check it out, Inclusion and Marketing on All Good Podcast Apps. The link is in the show notes. Go support that.
1: Yo, everybody. Welcome to a brand new Techish. It's your host, Abadesi of Hustle Crew, and I'm joined by...
0: Michael Bahane, CEO of Pocket and Pocket Jobs. Let's go kind of bad news for all my potential people looking for jobs basically so apparently here like a lot of the data is now indicating that the trend of companies publicizing remote work has gone down but the trend Ooh. of employees wanting remote work has stayed the same or even got stronger so, according <laughs> to LinkedIn data 50% of applicants are looking for remote jobs, but only 15% are advertising for work. So now we have a massive disparity now. Everyone is trained to remote work. Everybody wants remote work now. But a lot of companies are like, yo, the market has changed. The balance of power is now back in our courts because of the terrible economy now. Yeah, we're not giving that to you. So only basically one in 10 roles are now working. This this is not even remote work. This is just flexible. So maybe come into the office every now and then, whatever, whatever, two, three days a week, right? But almost half the people out here are looking for remote work. So who's going to win in this battle? Who's going to win in this push and shove? How do you see this playing out?
1: I mean, I think there's a tension that's happening right now. And interestingly, for a very long time, I was convinced that remote work was going to win. And now that I spend a bit more time like over just the last few weeks With like young people Just because I've been around Like my cousins And stuff like that I am wondering if Eventually they're going to realise That they could learn more From their mentors And their sponsors If they are
0: Boo. around them <laughs> Now I'm that's it for That's all the people <laughs> listening. I'm booing for them Boo I'm just going to carry on <laughs>
1: uh. And the reason I'm saying that is because I think this idea of like the multi-hyphen career and, you know, the portfolio career, I'm not saying it's dying, but it's at odds with this other emerging trend around protecting your mental health and having boundaries. Mm. And like, don't get me wrong, offices create a lot of negative externalities, especially if you're underrepresented. So there's a whole mental health piece around just like showing up in in a boring office, but If your company gives you co-working space passes or your office genuinely does feel inclusive and like is a vibe, then you might prefer being there a few days a week and like hanging out with people and learning together and like creating stuff together than doing the digital nomad thing. Because I think a lot of people probably like get a lot of, you know, their blockers to loneliness from the community they create either at work or through their role at work, right? With their clients and customers and stuff. So I just feel like, and again, you know, I don't know, but my prediction over the long term is that people will do a lot of in-person working. It may not necessarily be in offices, but I think people will see the value in regularly convening and then adding something social to that just as a bonding exercise to build trust, to build good communication. I'm not saying remote working is going away. I think remote working will be the default, but I think it will be interspersed with some kind of, yeah, in-person thing. What about I, you, Mom? I, what do you think? I,
0: think? I definitely don't think it will be the default going forward over the next three to five years. I think most of the big tech companies are now trying to get their people back in. And I think mm. if you are uh, trained exceptional performer, I think you will never have it easier to have remote work. But for the masses of people, especially younger employees, the idea now yeah. that in five years time, you'll be 21 years old and just be like, yeah, I'm working from home. No. I don't think that's going to go. Yeah, I don't think that's going to go. I'm Sorry, kid, would, I don't trust you. Yeah, exactly. Right? I'm going to keep it real. I've seen the disparity when you hire people who are Gen Z versus people who have been, or someone who's a millennial who's worked in an office then has gone remote. There's obviously a big difference because a Gen Z person doesn't know what they don't know. First, they don't, mm. they need to be trained. And then second, obviously... They don't know, you know, what is a normal work practice because they've never even worked in an office. Versus the people who have had the taste of both are better in that sense, right? So I don't know, you know, I don't believe that the balance power will tip back to remote work in any time too soon. I don't think, anyway. We'll see. And I think companies are obviously using this economy as a chance to kind of get back to the ways that they kind of liked it. They want to keep an eye on you. They want to know what you're doing. And yeah, it's sad all round. But yeah, what can we do?
1: I was just gonna say, like it could be that eventually governments help speed up the challenge to remote work because there are people who are working multiple jobs doing this that and the other like is there a great economy being created by the
0: remote work f- phenomenon
1: that you know society is failing to capture the real value of
0: 100% like I've worked with contractors abroad and they basically told me like listen bro, I've got a job already but I'm not really doing nothing so like can you know if you want to give me some work we can make it work and i'm like Damn. i'm like no because how do i know that you're not doing that to five other people <laughs> like- <laughs> including me <laughs> yeah exactly how do i know you're not gonna play me so why am i gonna do that to you <sighs> you're too honest there's a lesson there always lie people if you're gonna do something dishonest you might as well just lie the whole way through no point trying to be honest <laughs> halfway through
1: <laughs> bruh spotify Wrapped. I'm not going to lie. Do you know what ruined my Spotify wrapped? One, spending time with my godchildren and like (laughs) playing nursery rhymes with them and other like theme songs like thousands of times. Because, you know, kids can listen to a song like thousands of times. And then secondly, albums that I download to my Spotify to listen to when I can't sleep on the plane. (laughs) So it's like my Spotify wrapped is messed up. Like it's completely messed up. Like it does not reflect the music that i mean it, it reflects in cold hard numbers the music i've listened to the most or that's been played the most on my app but i feel like it has not reflected my taste how
0: about you what's your spotify rap looking like my spotify rap you know what I, yeah it's kind of embarrassing now because i actually listen to like a lot of like movie soundtracks <laughs> while i'm working so like it's not a cool spotify rap you see what i'm saying it would be like the last samurai yeah. tom cruise i'm like yeah guys this is, i can't <laughs> i can't really put this on <laughs> i can't really put this out there like like, like, like it's drake or something it? so a lot of it is just work music so what what we have to do? I'm well. not a yeah. A random <laughs> movie, <laughs> yeah. No, no. trust me, that movie's hard though, isn't it? Anyways, yeah, because I never wanted to watch that movie because I thought it was a whitewash film, and then I watched it. I was like, this is actually kind of good. But anyways, yes, <laughs> anyways, it, it, is, it is. It is the it last is. samurai. Tom Cruise, go check that out, everyone. <laughs> it's not what the whitewash as you think. But anyways, yeah. So the reason why we're bringing this up though is obviously because every year, without fail, for the last two to three years on Black Twitter, apart from everyone always just bigging up their Spotify wrapped, we always get this legendary story. Yeah, (laughs) of the Mm. former black intern who actually secretly created Spotify Wrapped and never got the shine that they they deserve, right? And it always goes super duper viral every year. Now, Abba, what is your thoughts on this one? Because I can't lie. I think I've got a bit of a uh, non-consensus opinion on this one. I can't lie. I mean,
1: I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. It's not going to be the first time in the history of the world where like someone hasn't been like appropriately attributed for their work. But i mean spotify employs so many people it can't be like a single person's efforts that have gone into what we look at today you know what i mean but i mean very likely it could be that she like came up with an idea of like you know rating or like showing a a preview of your best rated stuff i don't know i don't know what do you think what are you gonna say you know what
0: i think well first things first yeah like i want to have a Go viral every on Twitter because I wrote a lot of code for a lot of companies and I get zero credit. (laughs) (laughs) So where's where's that? Although apparently there's a word for it. It's called there's a word for it. Apparently it's called a job because they are like this is the thing. Yeah, anything that you do at work belongs to the company that you work for. Mm. I know it's 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 a terrible thing, but that's the reality, right? Now I think where she has a case is the fact that she was an intern and I think it was like an intern project that all interns had to do. And then at the end of the project, she presented it and she wasn't given a job, basically. Mm. Now her grievance is that like they ran off of my idea, my concept and basically they expounded upon it and, you know, they didn't even give me a job. So there is, a, is an element where I'm like, yeah, that's wrong. If it was true, she absolutely should have got a job and she actually absolutely should have had some involvement to continue what she, her work and continue the project. But to me, I think it just comes down to a fundamental misunderstanding of just like the dynamic between you and your employer. Like whatever you do at work, yes. it belongs to your job. Like it just, I wish it weren't the case, but it is like, I've done so much crazy work at my old jobs and I don't see a penny from it I don't get no credit from it they don't write True. oh this is this belongs to you know this company plus Michael Pahane did this one part no they don't give a shit <laughs> like it is what it is like and I think it's, it's one of those stories that we just like that constantly goes viral because it's just like I don't know it's just that there's a lot of stories that I like that oh secretly a black person invented this and it's like outrage trigger outrage trigger of that. there are real examples of that there are real examples of that and this is probably this might be a partial example but I think we just got to move past it and just worry about that actual adventures that we do have and the actual black owned companies out there doing their thing and you know support that don't worry about you know what one random intern did six years ago kind of thing like and i'm listen i hope the person's doing amazing in their career no hate to them if they're ever listening to this they're probably not but if they are you know what i'm saying but i just think as black, like we just gotta move on man please i don't want to see this next year i had enough
1: <laughs> do you know what like Yeah. And it's interesting because it's like, what do we gain from the outrage? I don't know. I've been thinking a lot recently about like, just like outrage and and emotions because I don't know if I'm going to be able to put my thoughts together like succinctly, but basically what I'm trying to say is like, sometimes we need to use that energy in more productive ways. (laughs) Cause I just think that. Calling out injustices is so important. I mean, they've literally built a career on it. Right. But I think we also need to like use energy to like make the next thing and participate in the economy and get paid and get opportunities and just make stuff and do stuff. Like, I don't want to be talking about things I made three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago for all of my life. Like, yo, remember that? Remember that? Like, I want to be like, Oh, well look, now I've got this, I've made this and it's better and it's newer and it's exciting.
0: Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. There are times when outrage leads to, you know, real things. Things and real tangible benefits that maybe this will bully Spotify into kind of giving her something. I don't know what, maybe some partial credit or whatever, maybe some money. I don't know. But besides that, generally speaking, your outrage is somebody else's monetization. So us being outraged on Twitter basically leads to Twitter making money, which is not Elon Musk making money, right? So I think we just got to be a bit smarter and strategic about what we're trying to do here and the causes that we get behind.
1: Hey listeners, when was the last time you heard someone say it's almost too easy when talking about a piece of tech? Probably never, right? Because tech usually isn't easy. Tech is usually too complicated, too busy, and too frustrating when it should be just plain easy. HubSpot CRM platform is ridiculously easy to learn, use, and love, as we've loved at the Hustle Crew team headquarters. (laughs) That's because it's a handcrafted, sophisticated system designed for the way team's actually work. Not a bunch of cobbled together tools that don't speak to each other. Super simple, a suite of powerful tools that seamlessly connect your teams and customizable hubs that you can add or subtract as you grow. It's not almost too easy to use. It's easy to use, period, especially for distributed remote teams like mine. So learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at
0: HubSpot.com. I want to talk about a story that kind of you said to me as well, actually, that really aggravated me. So Michelle Mon, I don't have to say her name, Michelle Monet, Michelle Mon. This is a very British centric story. So for our US listeners, to take some notes, basically. So Michelle Mon is a British entrepreneur. She started a company. I think a lingerie company and had a modicum of success became a multimillionaire and was very closely related to the conservative party in the UK. She basically was a donor. I believe she ended up becoming, and this is why the British political system is so weird. She joined this thing called the house of Lords. So the house of Lords is basically like, it's like, you're not elected. You're chosen by a party to basically be a part of government. And you're kind of just like there forever kind of thing. And so during 2020, during COVID, during the lockdowns, during the time when the NHS, the National Health Service was struggling, when people when people couldn't breathe, the, you know, the healthcare system was about to collapse. She said, oh, I know a company that can help sell you PPE, protective equipment, masks, you know, yeah. you know all kinds of stuff, right? Turns out now that that company sold the government PPE at inflated prices or so twice the price that it should have sold it at and that she received a $20 million kickback. So she received for the damn, price, for damn. the help of connecting the government to this company, her and her family, off the books, because this is not legal, received a 20 million, you know, donation in a trust overseas for her and her kids, basically, right? So this is now being revealed. And we're now seeing the corruption that took place during that 2020, when everyone was scrambling and everyone's business was struggling and everyone was locked down and people were dying. She was profiting basically 20 plus million dollars, right? Now, (sighs) the reason why I bring this story up, because to me it's reflective during Mm -hmm. that time period, the amount of scams that was going down, big and little. Hell scams, bruh. Big and little. You know, the small level guys that were doing their own little PPE fraud, maybe there's a couple of guys there, a couple thousand here and there got caught. A lot of those guys have been caught. But now we're seeing that at a top level, especially within the UK, there was tens of millions being exchanged hands by people who had no right to access to that money and were profiting off the situation. Selling products at inflated prices and straight up corruption. And to me, wow. it has parallels also to what I saw go down where there was also so many NFT rug pulls. I know this is a t- tangential one. doesn't seem like it's related. But to me, mm. the greed of people who are already rich is basically like, it's unlimited. Like I'm going to name some names. So obviously we know Logan Paul and Jake Paul, they did a whole bunch of NFT projects. That they rug pulled. Lana Rhodes, porn star. She did an NFT project, which she rug pulled. And a lot of times it was like, they would sell these inflated NFTs. They would join a Discord. Yeah. And then after a week, they'd be like, guys, I'm not really bothered with this Discord thing no more. I'm going bye. <laughs> and, and everyone was in the Discord was like, hold on, what? we just spent like a fa- you just made 2 million <laughs> Like you just literally just made 3 million selling a JPEG oh, my and the days. benefit was that we'd have you in a Discord and now you've left the, the Discord wow. Um talked about Kim K obviously being sued for plugging Ethereum Max I honestly feel like now is the time for the reckoning two years later we need to go back and just get everyone who was involved in a madness Abba I hope you're you're clean and you didn't do nothing because I don't want to hear no cases Whoa, Abba wait and see my wait and quick, see no, I'm what's not your, what's your creative on enough stuff?
1: to scam people but as soon as I come up with a good idea. I will not be hesitating because my lesson of 2022 is that everything is a scam. If you look hard enough, that's not a bad thing. Like love is a scam. So love, (laughs) love is a scam. Don't get me wrong. I love love. Love is one of my favorite things. I've been with my partner for over a decade, Uh, but love is a way to, you know, keep the species alive and perpetuate the species. Pleasure, pleasure is a scam as well, right? Pleasure is, is there so that you do the deed. What else is a scam? You know, do you think, to some degree, like ethics and morals. And like, now I'm like putting some existential threats out to my business. But (laughs) it is interesting to me, the lack of a universal moral code, right? Thousands and thousands of years into modern civilization, a lack of universal moral code, you know, I don't know, like, you know, scam in a way is something where it's like, it's not what it really appears to be, right? That's like scam. A scam is a deception. It's like you peel back the layers and there's not really anything there of value or what you expected to be. And I just think mm-hmm. that's true of so many things in the world. Crypto, look at everything that's okay. still happening off the back of FTX. Yeah, I don't know. A lot of the stuff happening in our industry and on the internet is a scam.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Am I making sense?
0: Yeah, sort of. I think that you have to draw the lineation between the scams that are like just societal you know norms and societal stories that probably aren't necessarily factually based and the and scams that hurt people and scams where you're purposely getting one over on someone like an individual yo everyone thank you for listening to this week's techish we'll catch you next week follow us on social media at techish pod leave your reviews on apple spotify we super appreciate that and we'll catch you next week peace
1: Thanks for listening to Techish. If you are looking for support in your inclusion journey at work, whether that's hiring or thinking about accessibility in design, maybe even thinking about how to make a greater impact in the communities you're connected with, why not partner with my company, Hustle Crew? We are on a mission to redistribute power and promote belonging and inclusion in companies all around the world through our inclusion education. Follow us on Hustle Crew Live on socials or head to hustlecrew.co. The link will be in the show notes.